It was about a year ago that uh, I became uh, fully engaged here at McDowell Mountain Community Church as lead pastor, and I remember it was Christmas Eve. I was preparing for uh, five, I think four or five Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve services, and that was a way to really just jump right in. And so December is starting to mark a year of about that transition for us. And, and before I get into our, our message uh, today, I want to give you an update as to some things that are happening in the life of our church. I'm really excited to share some, some good news with you this morning, some exciting things that have happened. I know uh, as I think about this past year, and there's been a lot of changes, and I know you have felt a lot of the changes that have been, been happening, and we've had so much happening in the life of our church from uh, re-engaging our Multiply Building campaign, but then also to some staff transitions and to changes, and, and you've been asking questions and uh, been wondering what's happening, and, and these are important parts of who we are as a church when we think about our missions and our outreach, and uh, we think about community life, and, and some of the, the key staff people that we have had and are now seeing transition into other ministries as God is calling them to take on different lead roles. And, and it can be sometimes, uh, I think, a little bit uh, tough when you're going through transition. None of us like things changing, and, and sometimes we don't like the fact that what's predictable is no longer predictable, and some things are different. But God has been working, and God has been putting some really neat pieces together. And, and I know it's, it, you're, sometimes when I say we have another announcement, I think some are going, oh boy, what's, <laughs> what's next? What's coming? And uh, I'm excited about to, uh, the announcements and, and what I want to share with you this morning. And especially as it relates to our staff and this team that is so core to, to what happens in the life of our church. It's really the staff that um, we, you know, we meet together daily, weekly, preparing, planning for the future, and, and, and uh, allowing us as a church to really mobilize through you in what we do. And so to be able to build this team together and begin to put the right pieces in place is, is such a great thing. And, and God has been opening some great doors for us. And so I want to talk first about our, our missions and outreach position. You know, one of our uh, key values here is to love others, no strings attached. And to, and to go and to multiply our impact beyond these walls. And I know that that's a big part of our DNA, who we are, that we are a church that doesn't just gather here, but wants to make a difference in the community. And and Michael Fay was our missions uh, pastor. And Michael Fay's role was actually, even though he's called missions pastor, it was really part-time missions and part-time video <laughs> and production. And he did a tremendous job with that. And some weeks it was full-time one and, and not the other and vice versa. And, but a big part of that, um, the production piece, is uh, being handled now by Stephen Sims, who we hired in the summer as our communications director. So the question is, what happens to our missions and outreach ministries? And so we have um, filled that position in the interim here, and uh, we're excited about this person that, that uh, is just a very highly qualified person, somebody that's been about 20 years in ministry, has been serving the church in, in many different capacities, has had tremendous experience in, in travel and in missions and in coordinating missions experiences and trips and, and going on missions trips from, from Haiti to South America and Paraguay, uh, travels to the Middle East and travels to uh, you know, Italy and, and even the Mexico and, and the Dominican Republic and has organized these kinds of trips. It's also someone that has... Um, they're, they're, has studied in seminary, has a master's of theological studies degree, has been in the ordination process, and, and somebody just with a deep love for the church. High energy, um, great personality, and just a spark in what happens, a deep commitment to faith and wanting to mobilize people. And, and the great news as we talk about multiplication and, and growing our church and, and, and what God has placed within us, this person is right in our own church. And so I'm excited to introduce to you our part-time missions pastor, and that is Shannon Krenz. Shannon, would you come on up and, and give us a welcome this morning? 
<laughs> now, I am a little biased, it is, it is my wife, but the qualifications that Shannon brings to the job are tremendous, and we have been in ministry together for many years, and I know her heartbeat and her passion, her preparation in ministry, and just uh, leading trips and outreaches. Shannon, tell us why you're excited to, to step into this role for us. Well, welcome to the team. <laughs> and so our ministries will continue. The outreach efforts that we do, the partnerships that we have in the community, the next missions trip to Mexico is already in play. We're already making plans for the Dominican Republic, another outreach and, and trip there. So be assured, rest assured, the outreach efforts, the love that we pour in this community is going to continue and is going to continue strong. Now, in the area of community life, such another vital, important role in our church, from everything from the front doors to greeters in the cafe to, to engaging in community with friends events, Bible studies, the classes that we have, small groups, such an important part when we talk about gathering as the church and turning our hearts and minds to Christ. How do we do that? How do we move from these rows and into circles? And with the, the vacating of that role, as, as Jeff is uh, taking on a senior pastor position, we realize this is a, a, a huge and important role, and we want to get this, this right. And, uh, and, and I'm happy to also share with you that we are in process and ready to make that transition with a candidate in that role. And this particular individual as well uh, just has a, a strong passion for ministry, highly skilled, highly gifted, very organized, but also a deep passion for people to connect with people, to see people grow in their faith, and just to pour out into this body. And it's somebody from right among us that has been serving us and has been serving us well. And I love sharing this with you because your minds are all racing and going, who could this be and what is that? But I want you to understand the qualifications and, and why the strength of our church raising from within high-qualified leaders and, and people that have a, already a commitment to this body. And so you've gotten to know Cameron over these years. Cameron, come on up. Cameron Lippert will be transitioning into this role. <laughs> it's, um, it, it was just an obvious, an obvious choice for me and for us. Cameron has just demonstrated this, this love and passion for our church and has served so well right now in the area of ministry services, administration. And so he keeps this place humming for us. And so, um, we're granted, we're going to be in a transition into the next year. We don't know the exact timing. You're already starting to take over some of those responsibilities. But uh, I am so excited to have Cameron on board. And you're going to continue to see more and more of Cameron involved and here in different ways as well. So welcome, Cameron. And Cameron, anything oh, you want to share cool. with us? Yeah, no, thanks, Mark. Thank you. Sorry. I um, 
you know, this was, this was my heartbeat before I came mm. on staff here, uh, was, was the community and, and the people. It was you. And in the past five years of being a part of this church, being on staff, I've seen m- myself grow immensely through that. And I'm excited to just dive in with you and figure out how we can get better at being community for each other. And so I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just passionate about, about that side of ministry, all sides of ministry, but that in particular. And so I'm just excited to be on the journey and uh, be with you all. So. Well, I'd say welcome on board, but you're already on board, but <laughs> yeah. welcome to the new role, Pam. Yeah. I'm so glad you're in that role. Thank you. Pam Thank Lipper. You. <laughs> These are such exciting pieces because it's our team coming together and really beginning to turn our focus and, and attention on this coming year. And of course, now with Cameron in transition, I'll pray for him because he's taken on some new things and still carrying on some of the other responsibilities. But we will also then be looking for an office administrator or even a, an operations pastor. It depends kind of on the, on the individual, but shaping that role that really helps this church function from all the behind the scenes stuff from, from HR and finances and building facility management to, to staff um, organizations. So uh, that's going to be something we need to be praying for as we seek to fill that role. But no, that, again, our ministries are going forward and exciting things are happening. I love the energy that's coming into our team from these transitions and hires. And so, um, you know, we've been meeting together as a team looking ahead already at next year, and uh, we've, we've planned out ministries through the summer. Uh, up to the summer, and we're going to be coming out with a spring ministries guide that you'll see in the new year, and we're just putting the final finishing touches on that, and so our ministries continue just to, to, to move forward. And so uh, just as we end this year, and I think about some of the great things that are happening, and I think about our role in this church, I just want to say thank you, first and foremost, for just hanging in there through the transition. When things aren't always easy, or when, when maybe somebody you, know, you love and relationships you have, and they move on and transition in a different way, it's not always easy. And I thank you for the way that you've uh, welcomed me and and my family and and have just allowed us to and allowed me to speak into your lives on a Sunday morning. I just want to say thank you for that and and for your confidence and and, and optimism for what God's going to do and is doing here in the church. And I figure if the Pope can ask people to pray for him, and I am nowhere near in Pope status at anything, and I figure, like, I can ask, and I need prayer even more. Uh, And I just ask you guys to continue to pray. Pray for me. Pray for our staff, pray for the volunteers, our board, uh, as we make decisions for our future and as we continue to re, uh, just establish this, this team for this next season, that God continues to bring the right people in place. And so I just ask you for those prayers. I ask you for your investment here to be involved. Your presence matters. Your participation matters. It's what brings community together. It's what is, fuels what happens in our church. And as we think about the, what's next, and we have these opportunities for, for Christmas at the Fountain and Christmas Eve, be one of those individuals that, that doesn't just hold on to that invite and stick it in the back pocket or lose it somewhere. Get that in the hands of somebody. Be a part of sharing the good news of what is happening here and growing our church so that we can have an impact in the lives of people. And that is just a beautiful partnership that we share. And finally, I just also want to ask you to give financially to support what is happening. We're coming into the year end here, and we want and need to finish this year strong. Our ministries are so much uh, fueled by that generosity. It allows us to do the things that we do, the staffing that we do, to, to do these community events that, that, that you're providing through your generosity. We can do those things. So let's finish this year strong. And as we think about the next year, and, and, and we've talked some about building and, and what that building plan looks like, a big key in that is we've made a commitment to build debt-free, to build cash only in this next phase, really hinders on the fulfillment of the pledges that we have made and have committed to, 
and, uh, and also those that haven't been in board, on, involved yet to say, we need everyone on board because every single dollar makes a difference and allows us to get closer to that point where we can pull the trigger and begin this building process. So as we, as we finish this year, be encouraged, be, uh, be strong, support what's happening, and look with optimism to what God is doing. I can't wait to get into 2016 and, and finish out this year and to see what God is going to do here at McDowell in the coming year. So let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll jump into our, our word this morning. Heavenly Father, it's, uh, it's just great to be able to share um, with this body, with this family that is McDowell Mountain Community Church, about the wonderful ways that you're working God, we don't always know your plan, and we don't know how you move in the hearts and lives of people, but I thank you for the ways that you're using this church to not only make a difference in this community and in this world, but in the development of people and of pastors and of, of people being sent out to, to do your work. God, thank you for Shannon, and thank you for Cameron and the way that uh, their heart beats for these areas of ministry and that that's going to just fuel what happens here through this church. And Father, do we just ask a strong finish to this year? Help us to make a big impact on people in this community with our community outreach efforts and our Christmas Eve services that we could truly speak your truth and light and life into the hearts of people. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, week two of our series, Heaven and Earth Collide. And when we think about Christmas, and when I think about what, what do we want to share this year at Christmas, and, and we think about that Christmas changed everything. That first Christmas was a tremendous shift in what happened in our community, what happened in our world, what happened in, in history, when heaven and earth came together in Jesus Christ. We think about how, how the, the, the silence that was there, we talked about last week, 400 years of silence, that silence was broken. Today we're going to talk about the light that pierces the darkness. We're going to talk about the eternal becoming personal, the invisible becoming visible. And that it's not just about what happens in this world, it's about what happens in us. There's something powerful when heaven and earth collide inside of us. Because it's easy for us just to sort of say, well, the spiritual things happen out here, and the God things happen out here, and we just have to learn about them and about God. And we worship a God out there but it's something very different when it becomes personal. And when we understand that heaven and earth want to collide in us and in our spirit, and our silence will be broken, that our darkness will be pierced by light. And that's what I want to look at today. When you think about the silence being broken, it's about a hearing the voice of God, the spirit of God. And today when we think about the light piercing the darkness, it's about our eyes receiving that light our eyes being able to see. Now, Christmas is a season of light, right? I mean, it's the season where, where light just illuminates everything. When I think about Christmas, I always picture a night scene, don't you? Like when you think about the nativity and when you think about uh, what, what happened on that Christmas night, for me, I think about an evening scene, and probably because we think about the shepherds at night in the, in the dark sky. And we think about the heavens opening up and light shining through. We think about a star in that dark sky that was followed. Then we picture a, a, a stable and a little manger, and there seems to be a glow somewhere in there, right? There wasn't commercial lighting at the time, and so maybe it was a lantern hanging somewhere, and there's just this dark and light contrast. And we continue to celebrate the season of light by putting lights up and decorating, and, and it's just a season unlike any other. 
And as a family, we love to go, maybe like you do too, driving around or looking around at Christmas lights, right? And just taking that all in and seeing what's out there from the absolute crazy houses with, you know, every square inch that's lit up to just some simple decorations. And uh, we, we took a stroll this past week with our family. We drove down the Avenue of the Fountains and Fountain Hills, beautifully decorated, and we just walked uh, in the evening together and uh, looked at the lights. And, and we started telling our, our kids a story, and my oldest, uh, Miana, is in here right now. She's 10 now. And we were talking about a story about her first Christmas, and she couldn't talk at the time. She, she was so, so young. She was still uh, a pretty small child. And we would, uh, Shannon and I and Miana would go for a stroll, you know, in our neighborhood. And so I'd put, um, you know, Miana on my shoulders and we'd bundle her up, cute little hat tied all up, her little mittens, and, and we'd just walk down the street. And when we'd come up to a house that had really pretty lights and, and we would just stop, and all she could say was in her limited vocabulary, but she'd point and she'd go, wow, <laughs> wow. And then we'd go to another house, and she'd say, wow. It was just the sweetest thing, wow. And then we'd walk over to another house that wasn't lit up, and she'd point, and she'd go, uh-oh. <laughs> wow, wow, uh-oh. And it was one of these things where it was just so sweet. And, and, and as I think about Christmas, and I think about lights, and I think about this season that we're entering into, there's some of us where the light of Christmas is just this, wow. It's Christmas, wow. My family's coming together, wow. Many times it's all these things that we imagine and perceive and, and, and these ideals we hold of Christmas, but it's just, wow. But there's others of us, uh-oh. It's not feeling very bright. It's not lit up. It's dark. And right now, Christmas in the season represents a time of darkness and a time of struggle and difficulty. Now, some of us are somewhere in between. You're kind of like our, uh, our, our new Christmas tree <laughs> that we just bought. This summer, Shannon came home from a garage sale, and she said, I bought a Christmas tree, a pre-lit Christmas tree. Got it for 25 bucks. I'm like, sweet, that's nice. I don't have to put the lights in, and it's all like, you know, it's already in there. And then, you know, we, we set it up, um, and it just has a mind of its own. Sometimes uh, one band of lights wants to go on, and another time another one turns off, and, and it's not the intentional, like, twinkling tree. And so we never quite know what's going to be on and what's going to be off. And I think, again, some of us are like that. It's like, it's, it's, there's times of joy in the season where you're really holding on to the goodness and the light in the season, and then sometimes you're overwhelmed. And you slip, slip into a time where it just feels heavy and burdensome and dark. And it might go back and forth. And, and so today, as I think about this light and darkness, and Christmas representing light, what does that mean? What does that look like? And it's just such an irony of this season of light, where we celebrate light and we illuminate and decorate things, that really, for many, it is one of the darkest seasons. And psychologists and, and uh, counselors and therapists and pastors, we can attest to this in the lives of people that December is actually a season that is often very gloomy for many, more so than the rest of the year, and even in December following the holidays. Maybe it's the built-up expectations of everything that Christmas ought to be and all the things that we ought to experience and all the things that we want to recreate, but the reality of those four peaceful children gathered around the tree, fire crackling in the background, and just one at a time opening their presents and, and saying thank you for each little gift and, oh, Mom, it's just what I always wanted. Oh, Dad, doesn't happen that way, right? It's chaos. There's presents being ripped open and nobody, you didn't say thank you for that gift and, and it just gets a little crazy and sometimes we, we struggle because it's not part of that ideal. It's a season where we're, you know, we're overeating. 
right? Where we're overspending, we're under-exercising, under-saving, and everything gets thrown out of balance in this season. We're overspent in our time and our schedules and, and those very parties that you were maybe looking forward to, you sometimes wish that maybe you didn't have to go to. And it's crazy. This is the season we ought to be celebrating, but it can be dark and the gloom and the depression can continue to grow and, uh, and just sink in. There's families right now that are, that are struggling and you think about if there's divorce or there's been, been difficulty in a relationship, the holidays seem to bring that to light. And it can be difficult. For some that are mourning the loss of a loved one, maybe this is your first Christmas without someone that has been there all the time. This year, maybe it's in the years past, and you just, that void is just so big. I sat with the family this past week in hospice one day, and the next day, their 28-year-old daughter had died. It's a pretty dark season right now. And even though we're surrounded by all the lights, there can be darkness. So oftentimes, December's darkness brings to light a deeper darkness inside of us. But it's also an opportunity for the light of Christ to shine even brighter. Look at me at this passage in Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. It says, Because of God's tender mercy, the light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And I love that idea. The light from heaven was about to break. It was about to shine into the darkness of that moment, into the darkness of those 400 years of silence that we talked about last, year, last week. The light was about to break into a, into a world of, of, of hopelessness that didn't have a Savior. And as I thought about that this week, it was an interesting exercise. I started thinking about, what if Jesus never came? Have you ever thought about that? What if Jesus never came? And our Old Testament stopped where it did. That blank page was all there was, and there was never the next story. When we think about the, the, uh, the story, it's a wonderful life, right? And George Bailey's on the bridge, and snow-covered bridge, that iron bridge, and, and, and he's, he's just had a glimpse into what life was like if he never would have been born if he wouldn't have lived and done the things that he did. And the world had gotten to be a much, much darker place, the city where he lived. And it made me think, what happens if Jesus would have never come? And immediately my mind just went to the first Christmas story. And you think, man, all these things that we celebrate that we just seem to take almost for granted every year if you've been um, celebrating Christmas or as a follower of Christ, and you just think, no angels announcing the Savior's birth. And what would have happened to Mary? What would Mary's life have been? Just an ordinary girl growing up in an ordinary world. The shepherds would have kept on shepherding. No amazing story to be told. Just another cold night out on the fields. No star shining over Bethlehem. And those wise men, they would have saved themselves a long journey. It would have just been easier. And so you think, well, you know, what was the impact of that? But then we come back and we think about, well, what about Christmas today? No lights celebrating the light of Christ that has come into the world. No gifts to exchange. No candlelighting services. No celebration of a baby in a manger. No songs like, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Just another month of Sundays to end the year. Just a long, dark winter with the hope of a new year starting. But then you begin to think, okay, well, what about, well, how does it go beyond that? And you think about the New Testament. You think about the stories that we read after that blank page, and you think, no disciples being called. Peter, James, and John just continuing on with their life as it was as fishermen. 
Paul himself would have just been continuing to try to find salvation by doing the right things. Paul, who wrote so much of our New Testament with this radical conversion of understanding the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, completely transforming him and sharing that message, would have continued to try to earn that salvation by doing everything right and being just perfect. Matthew, the despised tax collector, would have continued to be a despised tax collector. No John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. Nothing to hold on to. No story of a prodigal son returning home to a loving father versus an angry father, a scolding father. We wouldn't have that story. We wouldn't have Jesus on the cross saying, Father, as he's hanging there, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And that modeling of what forgiveness really looks like in grace. No words of hope to the thief on the cross saying, today you will be with me in paradise. That would have been over. It was it for that thief on the cross without Jesus coming. And think about the story for the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, dragged before a crowd who was to be stoned to death for her indiscretions so that justice would be served. Those stones would have been hurled and she would have been killed and justice, quote unquote, would have been served. But instead, because Jesus came, he steps into that moment He shows grace and forgiveness and says, let you who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped their stones and left because Jesus came. We think about the history of our world. We think about the impact of believers and churches coming together, orphanages, hospitals, schools. So much of the art and music that was inspired by faith and was fueled by the church would no longer be there. No global missions movements sharing the love of Christ and the forgiveness that he brings. And today, no churches all over, the churches would be gone. They would not exist, not sharing the goodness and the truth, not being light in the community. A couple weeks ago, we had these baptisms here. There would be no stories of forgiveness of sins. There would be a just trying harder to do even better and realize we can't do it on our own. No freedom from addictions, no healing at a deeper level, no understanding of hope. I don't know how I would be able to minister and help me be and meet with a family who's just lost a loved one without the hope of eternity in Christ. That there is life after death, that our spirit lives on, bringing us comfort and peace even in the midst of darkness. Thank God he came. Thank God that we were not just left in darkness, as it says, for those sitting in darkness. <laughs> He did come, and the light from heaven is about to break. And this is the irony, and sometimes maybe you wonder, well, how is it that Christ came, and how is it that I can be a follower of Christ and yet still experience darkness? How can I still feel this darkness? As it says, there are some sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. Well, the reality is there is darkness in our world. There is evil in our world. There is hurt. There is pain. There is sickness. And when the father asks me, why did my daughter have to die? For me to say, I don't know. I leave that in God's hands. I don't know. We don't always have the answer. And we struggle. And there is darkness. And there is pain. And there are acts of terror. And there is fear in our world. And so it's so important when we think about light breaking the darkness and and the word and the scripture telling us that light is coming, that light from heaven is about to break because all of these other things threaten to drown out any lights that we have in this world. Look at this, uh, this, this quote from Richard Rohr. Love to read some of his devotionals. And uh, he talks about the darkness. What happens in the darkness? And even when we are in the darkness, here's what he says. In darkness, we find an ever long for more light. 
I would call this dark grace. But most of us have only been taught about light and pretty grace. And so we miss at least half of our opportunities for encountering both God and ourselves. The darkness is when God works, when we are shaped, when we are most open to God. Desperation opens us up to something new and different. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, light is breaking through. And this is this wonderful image that we have of light piercing the darkness when heaven and earth collide, that, that God was not just sitting idly by, that he is working, and that even in the challenging times of our lives, God is working, God is shaping. That's when we lean into grace, when we feel those voids, when we feel that pain, and we lean into Christ's love, and we say, God, come. Look at John chapter 1. This is how John tells the Christmas story, not about a manger and angels and shepherds. He talks about this word, this, this logos, this, this being that has come to earth. And he says this, life itself was in him. And this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who was the true light, who gives light to everyone, was going to come into the world. And as I think about that, that passage, this light that shines through the darkness, a light so powerful, darkness cannot shut it out. And then a little bit later, it says, actually, this is the true light. And I think what, what, what Scripture is telling us here is there are lots of other lights in this world. Many of them are good lights, but they're not the true light. Many of them are false lights. They are not the true light. And it's often during Christmas, when we get into these dark places, when we get into gloomy times or, or we're really struggling, we start looking to false lights. As good as they may be, we put our hope into a family gathering that somehow that is going to give us the fulfillment of what we need. It's a good thing. It's a good light, but it's not the true light. We wrap ourselves up in these expectations of perfection. If I can get it just right, if that tree looks perfect, if I picked out the perfect gift, if I throw that perfect holiday party, if the decorations on the outside of my house look just so, if this party all just happens the way that I hope, we hope that somehow that brings us light. Good things, but they're not the true light. They're glimmers of hope but they're not the true light. And darkness has a way of still clouding those out and drowning those out and extinguishing the false lights, but not the true light. The true light shines in the darkness and can never be extinguished. What is the true light? Jesus himself says in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. See, anything else is a false light. Anything else is a good light and maybe a reflection of the good light, but it's still not the true light. Jesus Christ himself is that light. So how can that light pierce the darkness? Maybe the darkness you're feeling, whether it's momentary or whether it's the season, or maybe it's just a, a season of life that you're in right now. All I can say is we've got to focus our attention on the true light. Don't get distracted by all these other things. Celebrate them. Enjoy the goodness of those things. But if Christ, the true light, is missing, the darkness will prevail. And as he says, follow me. And so it's walk towards the light. And that light is not found in worry, not in perfection, not in extravagance, not in all the social gatherings. It is found only in Jesus Christ. 
How do you find that true light? I think about the story of that first, of that first Christmas. And we read about there's, being, there's no room in the inn because the people were all traveling to their, their, their city of, of origin, and there was a census that was to be taken. And so that's where Mary and Joseph, and they went, and they went to Bethlehem, and it says lots of people were traveling. And so you can imagine people, as families had spread and lived in different places, they were all coming back together. And, and, and so the city was crowded. Again, you know, we hear that, that story, you know, knock, knock, knock. They're trying to get in. No room, says the innkeeper, that mean old innkeeper. He's just been ruined for years and years of not letting Mary and Joseph in. And, uh, and, and, it, and so you can just imagine the city was a bustle and a blur. And so I think about somebody who, who came and who had room, who had gotten a room in the inn, and they walk into that inn, and there they are, they have their room, and, and maybe their family has gotten together, and maybe there's several families together, and maybe they're having a meal. And there's a celebration, and there's food, and there's drink, and, and there's just laughter and stories being told, and there's just a great environment. There's life and, and light. But you take this scene of, of, of light and life and laughter, and out back in the stable, in the barn, is that scene that we've come to picture in our mind of, of, some, of some sheep and some donkeys, and, and you have this, this manger, this feeding trough with hay in it. And there is this little baby. There's a, a Mary and Joseph, the parents, and maybe some shepherds who've already come from the field. And so the most amazing, world-changing event is happening right there, and all those people and the hustle and bustle and the excitement of that city are missing it. They're missing it. There's a good light there. There's great things maybe happening, and maybe there's tension because of the family dynamics, but right out back, there's the true light shining, and they've missed it. How do we do that? That's our story at Christmas. We get so wrapped up in all the things that are happening, all the excitement, and the zoo lights, and this thing, and these presents, and this show that's happening, and this special that's on TV, and, and it's all these good lights, and somehow we can still walk away and feel the darkness because we've missed it. And then I picture one person in that busy inn who just decided to say, you know what, I'm just going to go get some fresh air. I'm going to step outside. It's kind of noisy in here and, and, and busy. And they walk outside. They feel the cool that evening. They look up at the dark night sky. And the stars just seem brighter than before. And one star in particular stands out. And maybe they just decide to take a little stroll. And so they take a stroll and maybe they walk out back. And all of a sudden, there they see the shepherds. They see baby Jesus. They see Mary and Joseph. And, and they hear a crying baby. I know the song says, no crying he makes. I don't believe that song. I think he, uh, <laughs> find no babies, they cry. Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Yeah, right. Um, so here's the crying baby, and they walk. And as they come see what's there, the shepherds start telling them, you'll never believe what happened today. We were out on the fields and we saw angels and they told us that this is the Messiah. The world-changing event was right there and it was found in nothing else but in Jesus and his birth. And so when we gather as a church and we gather like this on Sunday mornings, when we come together on Christmas Eve, we don't want to point to any other light than the light of Christ because there is no hope, there is no life that is found in any other light. And so we, while we may look at the good things around us, let's center and focus our, ourselves on Jesus Christ. When we sing these songs, close your eyes and really give him all the glory as we sing. Drown out the other expectations and the things that are pressing in on you and focus on him and watch that light burn bright. Now that's the way that we can begin to allow that light to penetrate our darkness. 
even though we're going through difficult things. But another thing that we can do as a church, and the way that light shines brighter, is when we give that light to others. When we give that light to the people around us, when we let that light shine, even in that passage in John, we didn't have it up on in this passage, but it said John the Baptist, he was coming, he, there was one coming who was going to tell about the light, but he wasn't the light. And that's our role. We're not the light. I'm not the light. McDowell Mountain Community Church is not the light, but we are pointing to the true light. And that is our job as followers of Christ, those of us who have received the light, is to give that light and to pass that light on to others, to point people in that direction. And we have that opportunity as we come to Christmas at the fountain and you're bringing a friend and you're saying, we just want to celebrate what Christmas is all about. And we begin to point people to Christ. We point people to here. And we come into this place and we point people to Jesus Christ in the midst of all the chaos and the craziness of Christmas. We have opportunities. I think about some people in our church just yesterday in the midst of all the selfishness of the season where we can focus so much in on ourselves who, who said, I'm going to go out and serve. We're going to serve at Manor House. We're going to serve in this veteran's home. We're going to serve a meal to others. We're going to give and think of others. And when we do that, that light shines brighter in the darkness. And I loved hearing a story uh, last week from, from Dick Thomas, who leads our, our Saturday morning men's Bible study. And if you're part of that group, I hear it's a crazy group and, got, uh, and uh, a fun group, and they dig into God's Word, and, and they bat it around with each other. And, but you know what? They don't just do that. They were challenged to say, what are we going to do? How are you going to make a difference in somebody's life this holiday season, this Christmas season? How are you going to do that? And so they went out and they thought about ways. And one of the gentlemen came back and said, you know what? I was at a, at a grandparent's day at one of the schools. They were visiting my, my, my grandkids. And I noticed the kid who didn't have grandparents around. And I went and I talked to that kid. And as I talked to that kid, found out that, that they're not really going to have a Christmas. Their family's not really able to provide a Christmas this year. And so the man came back to the Bible study, shared the story, and said, I want to provide Christmas for this family. And so these men from this Bible study got together and said, we're not just going to give them Christmas. We're going to lavish Christmas on them. We're going to get gifts and presents for the whole family. And then we're going we're to dial it up a few degrees. We're going we're gonna to come and we're going to bring presents, but we're going to come in a truck with Santa Claus. And that'll be like Santa's sleigh. And in front of Santa, we're going to have some Harleys. We're going to have some motors. Like, These are the reindeer that are going to come in. And we're going to come down those streets in that neighborhood. And when we make that scene, kids are going to see it. Kids are going to come. And because they're going to come, we're not only going to do Christmas for that family, we're going to buy presents for some extra presents for other boys and girls. And so when they see that, we can just bless them and give them presents and just bring joy and cheer. That is shining the light of Christ. That is what makes it shine brighter when it reflects through us. It lightens it in us and it lightens it in others. And so as we think about this season, heaven and earth collide. It wasn't just something that happened hundreds and thousands of years ago where the light broke that darkness. It still has the power to break our darkness today. So lean into that light. Focus in on Christ in the midst of all these other things. Get into the quiet. Get out of the noise and just sit in front of that tree at home maybe, reflecting on the lights, reading that Christmas story, and just thinking about the amazing sacrifice of Christ. Think about what wouldn't have happened if he didn't come, but because he did, life will never be the same, and light shines in the darkness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming, for not leaving us in darkness, to sit in darkness, to sit in the shadow of death without hope, without life, without freedom, without forgiveness and grace and all these amazing truths that Maybe we take for granted at times. 
Remind us today, God, again about your light that can pierce the darkness, even the darkest of darknesses that are here this morning. God, give just at least a glimmer of hope breaking through. And Father, may we be true reflections of your goodness and your light in this community during this time that others may come to know you and that they could see the joy in our lives because of you. Father, we cling to you this morning and ask your light to shine bright. In Jesus' name, amen.